Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, my friends. I wanted to talk today about issues that we have surrounding children and talking to children about the person that lives with them, because that can be really hard and really, really scary sometimes when somebody with Alzheimer's or Lewy body or whatever it is, is around young people and living with young people. It is important for you to understand and explain to the child what's wrong with the person and why they act the way they do. When you understand why the person does certain things, it's easier not to get really upset with them. That they're acting the way they are because they're sick, not because of you, not because of anything you've done. And that the person has a disease that is destroying their brain. And their brain can't work the way it normally would. And that's why they're not open to talking to you about what you did at school today or how you got your teenage heart broken or whatever it is. Why they forget names, why they're being clumsy, why they are having problems with their balance. The parts of the brain that knew how to do all these things now isn't working. Kids are much more resilient than we give them credit for. They can learn. They can understand. I think often they are more compassionate than adults are. I've seen lots of kids do school projects about their grandparents, about um, the person that has a diagnosis. And they, they always try to maybe change the world, do something pretty cool with it. I've, I haven't met a kid yet that didn't get really involved with their grandparent or their, their family member's diagnosis. They are more understanding when that person gets upset over little things that are happening. They get it when you say that person doesn't understand any longer what they're doing or what they're saying. And even if you try to explain it to the person that has the diagnosis, they're not going to understand. They're not even maybe going to remember that you just said it to them. And the parts of the brain that make us behave 
is also damaged. So they might do things that seem odd. They're not able to control their actions. And they may or say, they may say or do something rather that is strange. They might criticize you. They might tell you they don't like your outfit. They don't like your attitude. Part of the problem, a big problem, with dementing diseases is that often the person looks fine. Lewy body, Alzheimer's, FTD, they look fine. They look well. They don't look like there's anything wrong with them. And that's really hard because then we think they're just being mean. If if they had some type of disability that you could actually physically see, it might be easier to understand or accept. Other things that kids get upset about and wonder about and worry about is what will happen to the person as they get worse. And trying to understand how that's going to happen. What What is that trajectory going to look like when they start getting worse? What What does that mean? What are we going to see? Kids are, are very curious about things like that. And they worry that if they, if they are sharp with the, their grandfather or parent or whoever it is, they say something mean or they don't give them hugs enough or they don't understand kind of what's going on, that maybe something they do will make the person worse. Helping them with answers or helping them with words and things like that. Well, nothing you do will make the disease worse. That's what kids need to understand. And even if the person is temporarily upset, it doesn't mean that their condition got worse. It just means they got upset for a for a minute. And if you get worried about things, if you are worried about how their brain is being affected or how you spoke to them yesterday or whatever, talk to your parents. Ask questions. Talk to your clergy. Talk to your social worker at school. Let them know that you have a family member that is is struck with this debilitating mental disease and brain disease and that you need some help. There are lots of books out there too. Go out and read some books. Any material you can get your hands on. You can ask your parents. You can ask the doctor. Lots of questions. Make an appointment. Just ask the doctor some questions. I don't see why that would be a problem at all. And more than likely, you know, you're going to get the best results if you bring up the subject about wanting to know more or wanting to be part of a doctor appointment or something like that, when there's not a lot of other things going on and when the adults aren't 
stressed out and tired and not wanting to talk to you and things like that. Um, we know that sometimes the adults try to keep bad things and bad news away from you, but let them know that you want to be part of the process. Let them know that you want more information. You want to know what's happening. You want to know if it is contagious. No, it's not contagious. Sometimes, biologically, the pathology of the disease will stream down to family members, but not always. But those are good questions they might have. And when you read or talk about diseases and and Alzheimer's and and Lewy body and things like that, you're going to find out bad news. You're going to find out that there's no cure, that the person's not going to get well. That can make kids feel really bad. They're trying to help. But there are things that you can do to make that person happy. You can play checkers with them. You can work puzzles with them. You can go for walks with them. You can wash the dog with them. You can cook with them. You can do gardening with them. You can have them go to your your sports games uh, or your musical uh, endeavors that you have at your school and your Christmas holidays, things like that. You can engage them. You can totally engage them. And if if they're open, you could ask them about how they feel about having the disease. What worries them? What confuses them? What scares them? Maybe write an essay on it. I think that would be good. Some people have mixed feelings about talking about things. And that's all right. Just find out. Just find out if they're willing. You could just ask them, are you willing to talk about it? Ask your parents first if they think they're open. Because if you say, will you talk about your Alzheimer's and they don't like the A word, they could blow up on your whatever. Um, but having said that, maybe they'll answer your questions. And you might feel sorry for them. You might feel mad that they have the disease. You might feel mad that they're living at your house. You might get moody. Their moods change a lot. Your moods are going to change a lot. Sometimes you just go and do your thing and ride the bus to school or drive to school and and hang out with your friends and blah, 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 and and then you come home and, and you wished maybe they weren't there. That's fair. And sometimes you can say it out loud, but I hope that you also sprinkle that with a lot of love and compassion and trying to help that person as much as you can. Because without their lineage, you don't exist. And you can learn a lot from a person who's lived a good, long life. They remember long-term memory much better than they do short-term. So you can still have really, really 
good conversations. And under the the best of circumstances, living with an illness like this is hard on any level. It just is. It's very difficult to understand when someone is confused, has language problems. But kids have really specific boundaries and problems there. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about some of the things that young people have told me are problems living with a person with a dementia diagnosis. Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community full of grandeur and elegance is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate, caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef-prepared meals, transportation services, and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so I was talking about kids, young people, and some of the issues they have. I've had kids tell me that They had to give up their room. Oh, that's a big one. When you're young, you need your space. You want your space. And now maybe you've been delegated to the basement. And they've made some new area for you down there, but there's spiders and stuff down there. Yikes. Now I'm really mad. Right? I've heard everybody depends on me more. I have to do more things around the house. Uh, Dad's really busy with Grandpa, so I have to mow the lawn now. I have to do the dishes now. I have to do laundry now. Mom's always stressed out. I've heard... I don't have any privacy. My grandma walks into my room whenever she wants. She's confused. She doesn't know where she is. We just moved her here, and she doesn't understand this isn't her room. This was the room she maybe stayed in when I was a kid, and now I'm getting a little bit older. It's become my room because she doesn't live here, and she's always walking in here. The way that he eats makes me sick. I had a kid tell me that. My grandpa just picks up food that's not supposed to be finger food and shoves it in his mouth. He looks like my little brother when he was a baby and just started eating spaghetti. Those are fair assessments from the kids. They're trying to understand. One of the biggest problems I've heard is I I hate having to be quiet. I can't play my music. As soon as I come in the door, I have to be quiet. Or my grandpa gets all excited. And it's not good excitement. He gets anxiety. He starts yelling at me to shut up. 
I can't bring my friends over. Because if I do, they're going to upset him. And I had somebody tell me the other day, I thought this was actually very poignant. The kid said, I don't want to bring my friends over because my grandma acts crazy. She says weird things. She, she, she's just weird. Grandma doesn't mean to be, but that's a lot for a kid to internalize. I don't care how thoughtful and sweet your, your child is, your young person is. We don't understand it, so how can they possibly understand it? Those are These are tough things. Some other things I'm going to think of off the top of my head. Everybody's so busy with my grandma that they don't have any time to come to my games. Or we don't do any fun things as a family anymore because every bit of our time is focused on grandma. They feel like they're second fiddle. They feel like they can't be themselves in their own home. I have a client whose mom has frontal temporal. And they moved her into their home. You know, lots of people do this. I'm not critical of that. But I said to my client that this was a bad idea. Her mom is a cursor from way back, drops an F-bomb every few seconds. Um, We took her for, we set it up so she could go to a daycare at a memory care. And um, just to give you an idea, she looked at one of the residents in this memory care and said, Is she dead? She looks dead. If she's not dead, she ought to be dead. And then dropped an F-bomb about how effing dead she looked. And she does this to the kids. So the idea was to be able to take her to this daycare and let her wear herself out and keep her there, have dinner and everything else, and bring her home after dinner so that the kids could have some, you know, old-fashioned dinner nights and talking about school and fun things without her interrupting and yelling at them. And uh, it didn't work. The very first day, the whole thing fell apart. It was just really sad. And the bad thing is, in this particular case, this woman cannot take her mom to a care community. She tried, and they kicked her out. Uh, People don't want somebody with FTD behavioral variant. It's just, it's too hard. They are confrontational. They are very sexual. They have no filter on their mouth. They can be rude. No judgment and reasoning. Really tough. So putting a child in that situation, big problem. Big problem. So those kids said, I'm afraid of what she'll do. You know? 
I, I'm afraid she'll say something to one of my friends or she'll say something to hurt my feelings or think I'm stupid or, you know, I'm moping around or doesn't like the way I wear my pants or whatever it is. I've had kids tell me that their parents get mad at them more than they used to once that person moved in. Everybody's stressed out. You know, I get it. I'm not trying to make it sound like you've done the wrong thing when you move your person in because so many people didn't set themselves up for success with long-term care insurance. And even the ones who did, I got it confirmed to me last week that there used to be about a hundred long-term care insurance places just here in Denver, a hundred thousand worldwide. And now there's only four or five. So people aren't saving money to put their loved one in a community. That person didn't save any money themselves. And now they have to move in with family members. And you think as the caregiver, the adult caregiver, you get a brunt of the negativity. What do you think your kids get? And then they worry, like, are they going to die? Am I going to come home and they're going to be dead? I don't want to live in a house where somebody died. That's weird. Kids would tell me they just feel discouraged all the time. Because everybody in their house is now stressed out. Nobody's having fun anymore. And being stuck with problems like having to be quiet or give up your room are difficult, real, emotional things. And it's easier to deal with those things if you understand what is wrong with the person. You can maybe have a little bit more compassion when it impacts you that way. So it could be helpful to pick out the one thing that bothers you the most and then ask your family to change that. Come up with some compromises. Like you might be able to put a lock on your door or get headphones for your stereo so that you can rock out yourself, not have everybody listening. If you've had to give up your room, maybe you can fix up another place where you can get away from the person with the diagnosis and have your own space. And most of the time, I'm telling you, the young people tell me that it's not the behavior of the person that is the worst problem, but how their parents or the husband or wife of that person acts. You know, I had a kid tell me recently, I don't mind that grandpa moved in, but then grandma moved in too. And she wants me to do everything like she did when she was young. They think everything kids do today is disrespectful and wrong and, and it hurts my feelings. And I had another person say, it isn't my grandma, it's my mom who's always fighting with my grandpa. The grandparent who doesn't have the dementia is probably pretty doggone upset about the person they love having it. 
So even if the person doesn't get upset about what's happening, they might be feeling pretty down, pretty sad. And when people are down and sad, they get anxious, they get cross, they get impatient, they get hard to live with. And everybody's asking you to be understanding, but nobody else is. Everybody's in a place of grief. Maybe ask your parents how to handle it. How do I handle the grief? How do we all handle the grief? And it isn't always the grandparent who has the dementia. Sometimes it's your dad or your mom. I've met teenagers that have a parent with this disease. So let off a little steam when you need to. Find out as much as you can about the disease. Talk with your parents or a counselor so you can alleviate and stave off fights. Ask your parents what they're thinking. You can and compromise with them that you can say all you want about your side as long as you're helping with some of the tasks around the house. And ask about the things that worry you, like whether or not the person will die, but ask in private. Don't ask when that person can hear you because that can make them feel sad. And definitely get a good counselor. Go to your counselor at school. Go to your pastor. Go to some of your peers that may be dealing with this kind of thing in their own home. There's always other kids that have this. See if you can be a part of the neurologist meetings and things like that. And work through what you need as you live with that person. My heart goes out to you. I love you all to pieces. I'm going to add something new to my website on my Knowledge Center about talking to kids about Alzheimer's and various dementias. And for goodness sakes, do a school project on it. I think that'd be really cool. (laughs) Anyway, have a good rest of your day and your week, and I'll see you next time on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.